Hey everyone, welcome to the Plain Glass Podcast, where we discuss worship leadership, church music, and a myriad of other stuff. My name's Jay. And my name is Chris. Many of us are leading through the season of Lent, and we're gearing up for one of the biggest Sundays of the year. So we thought it'd be neat to discuss the events of Holy Week, or Passion Week as many call it. But before we do that, we're going to share how things went this past week at our churches. You ready, Jay? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so Jay, one of the things I love about doing these podcast episodes is talking about our Sundays. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's encouraging for me just sometimes because I don't even stop to think about them. It's like I'm on to the next one and I can just go through the motions and not even take stock of what was good and what wasn't or, you know, Mm -hmm. what's God doing in me even through leading. So I've been loving that. So here's kind of a new question for us today. Yeah. Um, This most recent Sunday, if you could describe it with one word, what would it be? And then why? So my one word would be exhausting. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And I feel like that's been, when we've done these conversations at least there's two episodes that I can recall where I've talked about how tired I am. Hmm. So this is again, another thing, but they're all separate. They're all separate instances. There's, there's not a rhythm that like, okay, Jay, you need to fix this thing because you keep talking about how tired you are on Sundays. It's not really like that. It just seems like this season we're in right now, I've had more things than normal that have caused some exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks ago, it was that worship night. A couple weeks ago, it was that fundraiser. This past weekend, we had a a band. We I organized a show at our church for a band that came in. And this was like show. a tour. Yeah, they, they part were, of a tour. You were a stop on the tour. Yeah, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, it is a big it is a big undertaking, and the way it worked out with the management team and scheduling the show and everything it fell on a Saturday night so my whole Saturday was taken up uh, meeting the band getting them into the space helping them all day just being there and then I was also the MC for the show um, and just logistical person for the whole thing and then afterwards helping them tear down and setting up my band for the following Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Cause they were on your stage. So Cause they were using our stage. Yeah. So strike we, your stuff. Yep, exactly. So, um, I didn't get home till after midnight on Sunday morning. I couldn't fall asleep till two cause my brain just would not stop. Yeah. You have to wind down after something like that and then turn around and wake up at six to go back to church the mm-hmm. next morning for, you know, a couple services and, and, and kind of go till about one o'clock. So exhausting was, is the word that I would use. I'm just like thankful that the Lord met me there and filled me where I was lacking and made himself known Mm -hmm. despite whether or not I was at 70%, 90%, whatever. It's not like I have to be at a hundred percent for him to work. I do want to do my best and be as well rested as I can. It's not an excuse to just not take care of yourself. Yeah. The night before, 
but it's in those particular situations where you're like, okay, I'm walking into the Sunday and I'm, I'm really tired, you know, praying, Lord, I need your help to lead your people this morning. That should be your prayer every morning, whether or not you got 10 hours of sleep or four hours of sleep, but it's those four hour nights that, (laughs) yeah, you feel, you feel it a little bit more. You feel the need. (laughs) This is a prayer of desperation, not of faithfulness (laughs) to the call or whatever. I'm actually glad you, you mentioned that and brought that up. Yeah. Because I, you know, when you actually, we texted a little bit at that time. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you got home and I'm like, man, that's rough. And I'm a night owl by nature. I'm basically. That's why I texted you at that time because I figured you'd be up. You know, I'm always awake. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just what it is. But it doesn't mean I should always be out. Yeah. So there was a while there where I had a hard time creating like a personal restraint for myself to not go do stuff mm-hmm. and be out. Just because you can. Yeah, because I would have energy, but it was like, I don't know that I'm bringing my best here. And of course, God's still going to bring glory to himself and work. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of hit a place where I felt like maybe there's a parameter I'm missing. So I've actually kind of imposed, we joke about it, we call it my curfew, my Sunday (laughs) curfew. But I have, it's kind of like a 10 o'clock cutoff. Like, I want to be home. Yeah. And we actually, we violated curfew for that show, for your show. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, thanks. But, but seeing you and and even just thinking about myself, like, when do we make those sacrifices Yeah, and do we even view them as such? So I think that's good. And it's something you might not think about if you're beginning worship leading. Yeah. You know, that might not occur to you that like my lifestyle might actually have to change some so that I'm ready on a Sunday morning. Probably a lesson learned is not to do a show on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And if you can avoid it, if we can avoid it, sometimes you can't because you're working with a band and their tour schedule and all that stuff. Yeah. But if you can absolutely avoid it, don't do something like that on Saturday night. Agreed. (laughs) Or have a cutoff. Hey, but one really encouraging thing was I did not schedule anybody to help me set up the stage. Mm -hmm. That's not the encouraging thing. That's the dumb thing. (laughs) Um, The encouraging thing is I think seven of my worship team members who came to the show stayed after and set up the stage with me. Awesome. Just because, because they're great people. That's great. I didn't ask them to, they just all individually realized Jay's going to have to set this up after the band leaves. Yeah. And he's going to have to be here till super late. So who knows how long you would have been there if they hadn't (laughs) stuck it out with you. Don't (laughs) even think about that. Yuck. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Okay. So that, that's my one word, uh, description of my Sunday. One word from you. Joy. Joy is my word. And it didn't come from maybe sort of the place you're expecting if you hear that word. I won't try to get inside your mind. I'll just explain. We have a student, like a, I think he's in high school. Student who. You should probably know this. I should, but they just like, children grow fast and I don't, I have a hard time keeping track. Okay. Um, it started playing with me a little while ago and sort of came in. I mean, he was very competent and has always done really well. He can play the keyboard and the cajon. This week, some of the rhythms that he was playing, I was so impressed. Yeah. And uh, they were like super sophisticated, really tight. He was the backbone. So like everybody was able to follow versus sometimes when you've got somebody who's newer to it you can't rely on them 
to be the backbone, even though that's really what you need from your rhythm section. You really need to be be able to rely on tempo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realistically, you don't always get that. So sometimes, especially sure. if you know if you're leading in a church where you don't have very many people and you're just using what you have, which is what probably most people are just doing. You know, it's not all. It's not all Bethel and Hillsong sized bands out <laughs> right. there. And that's just the way that it is. So, you know, you can't take these things for granted always. Like we you have these assumptions about what a band should look like. Sometimes you just use what you have and it might not always go the best way, you know, but it's like if you're making progress or whatever, you're you're glad for that. In this case, I've never had issues with him at all, but it's been this incremental and almost it's like an a logarithmic increase yeah. in his abilities. So I was blown away, and at one point, just as he was playing in rehearsal, while we were doing our run through and getting ready, I just looked back and I just like had the dumbest smile on my face because I was just so impressed. Nice. So yeah, that stands out. That's, that's awesome. the thing. Like, and that's just you know, it's just pure joy to see somebody in your team that's growing and you get to watch it happening. You know, growing in their ability and and you see that developing over time. Nice. Something that wasn't there is there now, and it's because they're just being faithful to what the scriptures say, and they're doing their part. So, very cool. That's that. That's awesome. It's great to hear. Okay, so today's topic is Holy Week. This is the last week of the Lenten season, and these words might be like a foreign language to you, or it's something that you observe as a church, or you grew up doing this. So Jay and I both have some experience in leading services that are specific to Holy Week. It's a crescendo that builds to Easter Sunday. So we want to look at just a couple of the specific services that can happen within Holy Week and give you some of our experiences with those. So Jay, help us to understand Holy Week. What's been your experience with it? Yeah, so I grew up in a tradition where we didn't really observe a whole lot of Holy Week, I guess. The church was less liturgical in its kind of calendar stuff. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. But we, what we would observe out of that would be Palm Sunday. I remember growing up, Okay. Palm Sunday was always a big Sunday service. Even in that Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter Sunday, where the passage that's really emphasized is when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on the cult and the people of Jerusalem are laying down their mm-hmm. coats and palm branches. That's why it's called Palm Sunday, welcoming him into the city. So that's that's the one service that I remember as a kid observing. And it really wasn't until my first ministry position mm. where I started considering the other things that occur within Holy Week and particularly Good Friday. Okay. Yeah. But but what about you? How, where did this fall in your... In your uh, childhood and stuff yeah growing up we were pretty liturgical and church calendar was there wasn't necessarily a heavy emphasis on it all year but around 
Easter time, mm-hmm. it was pretty heavy. It was, so we had, we definitely did Palm Sunday and it was similar. I still remember they would, um, they'd have the kids wave palm branches, and, <laughs> you know, do that. I, I don't know. Probably reading the scripture, the Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I, I never really knew what all that meant. And I don't think most people would understand unless you kind of teach them as you go. Right. And help them understand what's going on. Um, but that, you know, my experience growing up was just things like that. This is different. There's something different about this, but I never really connected the dots with it, that it was leading up to Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think it just felt like another week. Yeah. And then we would do a, we'd do a Monday, Thursday service at my church growing up. That was really cool. What is Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Monday, not, it's not Monday, Thursday. I heard people say it like that. <laughs> I think I don't know if it's just like a slip or sure they is. actually think it's Monday. Uh, Monday. Monday Thursday. Yeah, so I'm not good with my Latin, but it's from mandatum or mandate. It comes from the it's it's the um Yeah, I wrote it in our show in our notes to our for us. I wrote out the phrase that it comes from. Okay, yeah, so it's the scene of the last supper. It <laughs> commemorates you'd read all of it. Oh, Latin. you want me to read that Latin? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's Jesus serving his disciples in the upper room. So mm-hmm. he he institutes the Lord's Supper. So it's the institution of the first communion. Mm-hmm. And he also washes their feet in this encounter. Yeah, yeah. And he gives them a, a commandment to love one another as he's loved them. So he's modeling that. Yeah, yeah. And it's also and it's it's for Passover. So it's establishing this new rhythm for what the church is going to do. So it's actually really, it's like a super rich passage and then a really, uh, a wonderful opportunity, I think, for a church to, to do stuff. So we would have a big supper growing up. That's mm. what we would do. It was like a lamb stew. We had it every year. And one of the guys the at church, our church would have a supper. Yeah. Like, and I still, I remember that very clearly. I remember really clearly how the stew tasted and had way too many peas, you know, but again, it didn't, it how wasn't can something have too many peas. Um, this one was like loaded with peas. Um, Probably Sounds over, delicious. Probably over season two. It was really good. I loved it. But I didn't really, again, I wasn't getting the meaning of it as I've right. gotten older. And then now as I'm leading the church, it's probably, that's been one of the ones I've enjoyed the most over the years is leading, mm-hmm. leading that service. But we've actually, we've done it several different ways. Okay. Too. So. Cool. So when I was reading through these things, prepping for this episode, I started thinking through all of these things, thinking... This would be great for family worship. Yes. Throughout the week to look at Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, going through this whole holy week as a family. I um, think that would be a great idea. So, even though our church doesn't observe a Monday Thursday event, we can still observe it as a family. So, anyway, agreed. Side thought. observe Good Friday as a church now, mm-hmm. and you observe Monday Thursday as a church currently. Yes. So what do y'all do as a church? Is it similar to what you just described that you did as a kid? Is it completely different? What do y'all do? Yeah, right now it's different. It's very different from what I did as a kid. <laughs> no lambs do with extra peas? No, but I 
sometimes just for nostalgia's sake, I want to, you know, bring it back. But there were an, a number of years where our service was very long, mm-hmm. pretty solemn. It had a lot of music and a lot of uh, a lot of liturgy, so a lot of like responsive readings and sort of long form prayer and a lot of space for like silence and stuff. Mm. Um, and it was it was almost it had like almost a high church feel, even though we're not. We're not like that. Like no one, I don't think would come to my church and say, you guys are high church, but this was like the closest thing that we would. Don't underestimate anyone thinking that you're high church. I guess that's just like, yeah, exactly. High church then is like a scale. It's a gradient. (laughs) It's true. Then and we're on a different side than what I consider to be high church. So, um, this was probably the most formal and kind of solemn thing that we would do all year. And I really loved leading that service the way that we're doing it now is much more of a familial Mm. it just feels like a family gathering round tables for a meal and we actually uh it's a lot of storytelling so it's like people it's coming together and people telling stories of what god is doing or what he's been doing through maybe a specific aspect of their life Hmm. um and you know we'll have some scripture reading and prayer and we'll maybe we'll sing a couple of songs together but it all really centers around communion but communion is taken around tables sort of the way that it would have been done in the upper room Mm -hmm. so it mirrors that aspect of the institution of the first lord's supper yeah and what that would have felt like so it's an interesting kind of place if you think about jesus in the room with his disciples and he's instituting this meal he's washing their feet Mm mm-hmm and they're asking questions, these really strange questions, like they're trying to act like they know everything that's going on, and they're trying to work out the pecking order of like who's going to be on top right. when you bring your kingdom. Yeah. And just imagine Jesus thinking, like, these people have no idea, and my betrayer's in this room, and he's still serving that person, mm. you know? And so just the gravity of that, of like how he served his friends mm. before he went to do, you know, what we would call his, the passion of Christ, that movement that really then begins with Good Friday, right? That's when we start to really think about Jesus and his, him enduring the cross, his Probably suffering, starts at the right? garden. Yeah. Yeah. The garden the of Gethsemane. And, exactly. Yeah. So, so this is sort of all preceding that yeah. moment. And so it can have, it's almost like if you observe Lent, Lent is a very solemn season yeah. It's called a penitential season. So it's like right. you're thinking a lot about yourself and your own sin. Yes. And it, and it brings some gravity to the table. We understand, you know, the more fully I understand my sin, the more full and complete my joy can be in being redeemed by this one who's at such great cost ransomed me. Yeah. You know, the more honest I am about who I am, the more unbelievable almost it becomes that he would rescue me from that. Yeah. So all of that, if you're if you're in Lent and you hit this Monday Thursday time, it can be very very encouraging. does good friday then look like and especially maybe if you don't have a monday thursday because you guys don't yeah so what is good friday 
Yeah, so we so Good Friday is really an observance of the crucifixion of Christ. And and it really does start with I think it does start with the garden, the betrayal, the trial, the the beatings. It's it's just really intense, a really intense part of Passion Week. Mm-hmm. And it's really not not super positive, not super uplifting, right? Yeah. But it's good. It's and it's good to observe because it helps us understand the depth to which Christ um the pain that he endured and the scorn and the shame. Yeah. And all of it um uh, by observing it. And so I mean for us Good Friday the first Good Friday service I did at the at the church we're at right now was a, a sunset service. So we did it the house we were staying at at the time had a giant backyard. Yeah. So we invited everybody to the house and we did a, a Good Friday service at our house. And it was really neat to be able to sing these songs of Christ's crucifixion, to read these passages as the sun's going down. Hmm. And at the end of the service, we tried to, as best you can, time the time service with the, sun. with the sun. But just that imagery of the sun going down and darkness coming mm-hmm. on Good Friday was a really, really neat experience. Unfortunately, being in North Central Florida, uh, when the sun goes down, the mosquitoes come out. <laughs> Comes, it's, hunt, it's a oh, hunting season out there. It was rough. About wow. 20 minutes after the service was over, it was rough. But anyway, so we'd, <laughs> we hadn't done it that way since. Not not because it wasn't a good service, but we we decided to, to try other things. And so the next year and actually every subsequent year since then, we've mm-hmm. done a tenebrae service. We have candles set up all around the room. What we do is sing and read through the life and ministry of Jesus. And it starts with one candle, the Christ candle. It's in the middle of the stage at the front of the room. And we have a, an acolyte of sorts. Mm -hmm. Who's doing the successive lightings. Who lights all of the candles off of the lights, the 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 Christ candles lit. And then as we go through the life and ministry of Jesus, the rest of the candles become lit. And so you see, you see in a visual way, the ministry of Christ coming into the world. Yeah. And then halfway through, there's we do a short kind of uh, homily, and then the second half of the service it turns towards the passion, and all of the events from the garden to the grave, and as we go through those events, all of the candle lights start to be extinguished one by one by this acolyte, hmm. until it gets to just the Christ candle at the very end, and then. Typically, we sing some sort of song. Like, I think last year, no, two years ago, we sang the first verse of In Christ Alone and the first two lines of the second verse. And we sang it in this very slow, uh, somber arrangement. And then the Christ candle goes out and people leave in silence. Hmm. And that's how that service ends. And it's a really, it's not a happy service. Yeah. It's not a happy service. But what is so good about that service is how when you get to Easter Sunday, the celebratory nature of Easter Sunday is is so much more prominent if you've taken that time on Good Friday 
to think about the the really the 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 dark parts of that week yeah it makes the resurrection so beautiful um almost <laughs> resurrection <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you every now and then there's like a little scottish something in your voice i like it <clears throat> um so i've been really i've been really moved by practicing a tenebrae service yeah. and our church has uh, i think did you have you have you been yeah i came to your most recent okay home. that's right i couldn't remember if you've been able to come or not so you've been able to experience the candle lighting and stuff yeah um but yeah that that's kind of how we've done we don't do a monday thursday mm-hmm. service but we do a good friday service um and i've been i've i've benefited greatly from observing good friday personally this last year when i came tears it was actually really helpful for me too yeah i actually so in that moment i realized i wish there were more chances that i had to go to other places Mm -hmm. to be led in worship yeah the reality is you can you know i could find a church that has a saturday night service that worked and go do that but then something like a good friday if we don't have one and you do i can go to that it's like a space for me to just reflect some Mm -hmm. and prepare also in the way that holy week is designed to help you prepare for easter yeah and it is Mm -hmm. you know so that was really beneficial to me that's personally good. well and you wouldn't just go to any church it's i mean it's because i'm there <laughs> basically yeah you feel you feel at home it's true it's true <laughs> so one of the ways that um that we've thought about holy week or getting ready for easter um we compare it to like a wedding like if you were if you were going to have a wedding or a big party or something you wouldn't just show up yeah on the wedding day there's an anticipation and build up because it's such a big deal. Um, and it's, you know, in that case, it's like a once in a lifetime thing, hopefully. And so Easter is like that, you know, it has that level of build up. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just because it's an exciting thing where we pull out the Easter eggs and the kids do a hunt and you know, you have the baskets and everything. There's those mm-hmm. things that are kind of like the cultural aspects of Easter that are, right. there's nothing wrong with them, but but in our churches, we're building up to this, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. It is the fulcrum or the crescendo. Like it's the high point. Yep. And in some ways I would argue that every Sunday is kind of like that. Yeah. Like we're celebrating every single Sunday we proclaim the resurrection, but Easter is special. Right. And then, and so any way that you can find to, to help build into that a little bit. So for anybody who doesn't have experience with these types of services I'd encourage you to look into them a little bit and consider whether or not it's something that you might be able to integrate if it's not if you don't have the authority or the kind of the clout within your church to try to do something like this yeah make something like this happen find one in town that you can go and just be a part of it yeah yeah and and maybe encourage like your pastoral staff to go with you or something or see do, do any of them do that and you might be surprised to actually find out that they do already and um, and I know that it would, you know, like you just said, it, it really helps me. It does. It feeds you in a way. And Monday, Thursday and Good Friday would both be examples of of places to go to be fed, building up in very different ways. Yeah. You know, as we've just said. If you do find yourself really interested in doing something like this, but you don't really know where to start and you're not quite sure 
what it might look like for your church, or you have qu- just any questions any of any kind about a Monday Thursday service or doing a Good Friday service, mm-hmm. a, even a Tenebrae, specifically a Tenebrae service, you're welcome to email us or reach out to us on our Facebook page or or even our Twitter, um, which I think all three of those things will be listed in the description of this episode. And just reach out to us. We would love to be able to be a resource for you. We've been doing these services for a number of years now. So we have some experience that we you might be able to benefit from. Well, this week on our song review segment, we're taking a look at the song King of My Heart by two authors who also happen to be husband and wife, John Mark and Sarah McMillan. So let's take a look at this song. If you, We will have a link in our description if you want to take a listen to it and refresh your ears. Um, otherwise, let's jump into this discussion. This song... I'd rather begin with asking, is this a song that's worked for congregational singing for you? Yes, it has. How has it worked for your congregation? Like, what is the framework? Do you use this as a special music piece? Do you lead everybody to sing it with you? Yeah, so this is a full-blown congregational song, female-led Similar to the, that's, we do it similar to their live recording. Okay. Not instrumentally, but maybe the way vocally it's led. Mm -hmm. Overall, we, yeah, we have pretty good engagement with this song. What about you? It it seems like by asking the question, it has been a different experience for you? No, we haven't done it very much though. Okay. And I think we're close to a year away from the last time I used it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's because I tried it and it didn't go well or I just didn't pick it up. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised to see it in the top 100 and not because it's not a good song, but I just, it doesn't seem to me to be universal. Yeah. Like every church could really sing this well. Yeah. Yeah, um, I just, but I mean, so that's part of why I'm asking you because I I don't have a lot to bring to the table except for my, just my taste, like my personal preferences. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's work. The church is caught on musically to it. Mm-hmm. It's not super difficult to sing. So what's uh, what's something that's good? What's a uh, and not good like oh, Chris and Jay's taste is outstanding, but just something that's good for the purposes of serving the church through providing the right types of songs. What's um, what like, helps wh- it ma- make? Why that would criteria? I? Why would I do this song? Yeah, um, but I'm thinking specifically about content. This song reminds people of God's attributes of his steadiness, his mm-hmm. faithfulness, remembering his goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chorus just repeating the same line over and over again, you're good, good. Yeah, I mean, it's very good, simple. Good, But sometimes simple is what you need. And this is a song that I wouldn't do this type of song for every song that we do. Yeah. But it's a good song in the midst of different types of songs where the content might be a little meatier, not, not like asteroid meteor, hmm. but, but like beefier, beefier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it can complement folks in your congregation that maybe you connect with this type of song better than the church's one foundation 
which says schisms rent asunder. We've, we've said before, yes. right? Um, that's the, that's always the one I go to when I, when I think about lyrics that are like, what are we saying? <laughs> super in depth. Yeah. Heady lyrics versus you are good. Just that simple phrase. You are good can be, it's a good mixture to have both of those things. Yeah. In, there's a, your, a space to take a break from all the density. Sometimes a song can capture your imagination and almost rekindle it in a way that is needed mm-hmm. because we can, we're disillusioned a lot of times, yeah. you know, or we're numb from all the stimulus in, in our life. And we, maybe we come in tired yeah. on a Sunday. Most people I think are tired in the morning, just in general, it's the weekend and people are trading time that they could spend at home doing whatever to come in and do this thing that is church. Right. And I think any way that we can help our own imaginations be captured can be really helpful in worship. It shouldn't be everything is super imaginative or romantic or whatever. But songs like this, I think for that purpose, because it's so like just looking at the verses, it's almost like illustrating the nature of God and my experience with him and what that can look like. Yeah. The mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from the shadow where I hide the ransom. So it's, it's invoking my imagination to think of God in all these ways that can be dangerous too. I mean, we don't just want to create God in an image that we've decided, right? We don't want to imagine to the point that we're going outside of the boundaries of what he's revealed or that's that, or that's in such a way that it can be vague how to interpret that imagery. And this, a song like this borders on that for me. So that's part of, that's probably part of why I left it. I don't dislike it. I actually think it's really beautiful, but, um, but it might ride that line for me where it just, it didn't make the cut, but it doesn't mean that it wouldn't in the future. But I do think the plus side of it is that it's imaginative and it invites you to do some of that. Right. So I could definitely see a place for this and I love how, how imaginative the language is because it's really beautiful. Yeah. it, It can get, yeah, I see. I, I completely agree with you what you're just saying about sparking the imagination. I actually think John Mark McMillan's really good at that. Me too. I mean, we, we just, this past Sunday we sang how he loves. Mm-hmm. It's like a really good one. It's a good one. And it's, it's one that I've sung for years. I was just looking at it and it's like almost 15 years old. The wow. song is. Yeah. And I remember when David Crowder cut it and changed that lyric. Yep. Yeah, from sloppy wet to, to unforeseen, unforeseen. Yeah, uh, controversy. Whoops. But uh, I mean, he did it with obviously John Mark's permission. Otherwise, he oh. can't do it. It's yeah, illegal definitely. for him to do that. Um, but anyway, talking about sparking the imagination, it hit me really hard this past Sunday in rehearsal when I sang "Loves Like a Hurricane." Mm-hmm. And I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. It's like just that picture of me, his love being so forceful that I can't do anything but bow to him in the midst of his mercy. Like that's a beautiful picture that I hadn't like it. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, goosebumps right now. I see them. They're real. They're real. Mm -hmm. I've sung that. I've sung that lyric so many times that for some reason, it just really hit me. Maybe, I don't know, thinking about hurricanes more. 
I grew up in Georgia. Didn't have to think about them as much. Now, <laughs> I'm right there with you on that line. That's actually that's one of my favorite. Yeah, really one of my favorite lines of any Christian song. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Yeah, he really also actually a song you shared with me, "Death in His Grave." Mm-hmm. I that is an amazing song. Yeah. This has become like a John Mark McMillan praise fest. <laughs> He's a really good songwriter. I mean, Wilder Love is a it's weird, wild. It's a weird music video. I love it. I love that music video. It's crazy. So I love what he's doing. It's so artistic. The fact that it's made it into worship services. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he thinks about that. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, because they don't seem to really be written for congregational singing, in my opinion. I don't think. Not, I don't. Not, I don't. Not of first importance. I don't think. Yeah, I don't really yeah. view that as being the goal. Yeah. But it's cool that they've made it in there because he's writing songs in a very different way. I mean, yeah. very different than what anybody else is doing that, that is mainstream like this. The last thing I'll, I'll share about this song, the bridge, you're never going to let me down. I had a really interesting conversation with somebody after the last time we sang this and we were in a group of people and she just expressed, it's interesting because she wasn't talking to me mm-hmm. necessarily, but she was sharing her thoughts about this song in front of the worship leader. And she was just like, do do we really feel that way? Like, really? Like, that that God's never lets us down. Cause I felt plenty of times let down. Yeah. Like you didn't get something you asked for or like, it was a really honest reflection. I was like, yeah, it was, it was Mm -hmm. really good for her to share that. Um, just, just to want to talk about that. I was like, this is awesome. I'm so happy that somebody's thinking, you know, about these lyrics. But, you know, what that led to is saying, yeah, I mean, our feelings of things don't necessarily equate to the reality of things. Mm-hmm. God in reality never lets us down. Never. But just because things don't go the way we want them to doesn't mean God's letting us down. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is she mentioned, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can sing those lyrics. We've talked about that before. Right. I don't yeah. know if I can sing those lyrics in, in good conscience because I, I do feel that way. Like that I have felt let down by God. And I just encouraged her to, as we've mentioned before, you know it to be true. And she acknowledged, you know, that God doesn't in reality, let, let us down. Yeah. That he is faithful and he does not leave us nor forsake us. So when we sing things like you're never going to let me down, you're singing what's true in reality, not necessarily your feelings. Yeah, or your even if you want to feel, you know, in experience in, or your experience. Yeah, and you you could be singing these words as a way of saying, "I know this is true. I don't feel like it is, but I know this is true." So I'm going to sing these words because I know this is true, and I want to feel like it's true too. Yeah, you know. So that's my last thought about the song. It's a good song. And they're good songwriters. So, here, here. If you like what you're listening to and you want to stay up to date, please like and follow our Facebook page. It's, it's called The Plain Glass. It's pretty easy to find. And also, please, if you haven't, would you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes? All three of those things help make us more easily discoverable on iTunes for other people. Chris, how can people reach us? 
These are all listed in the descriptions if you need them. Um, you can reach us through our Facebook page, as Jay mentioned. We also have a Twitter handle, at The Plain Glass, and you can email us at hello at theplainglass.com.